If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, guys. Welcome back to the show. Today, we've got the legendary sports icon here today, Sugar Ray Leonard. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me, Sean. Yeah, I promise no super controversial questions. I don't know who told you before the show about all this. No, I heard you talk, you know, you you say some things that's quite controversial. So I I said, you know, don't do that. All right. I just hope the uh, future guests won't be listening (laughs) to this before. (laughs) Don't get any bad impressions here. That was one of my bad jokes. I just made that up. Yeah. I just made that up. Yeah, you guys missed the the sugar bad sugar joke that I just did before as well. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. Yeah, <laughs> unintentional also. Um, well, first of all, I mean this is this must be an exclusive. But what did you thought? Of, what did you think about the uh, the fight this weekend? You know, uh, I I thought that Ruiz um, didn't think much of the the second fight. He wasn't focused. That happens. It happens to me. It happened to me. Uh, it's like what happens because he won the title. He bleed the hype. Yeah. And what happens with us? We don't train as hard. We don't. We're not as serious. And when he walked to that ring, a little heavier than the first fight, I knew something was wrong. I knew that he had fallen prey to believing the hype. Mm. You have to make the hype. Um, Joshua, always in shape. You know, he was yeah. always in shape. But he was more mentally stable than he was the first fight. Because it's up here. It's, 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 the, it's a mind game sometimes. Sure. And um, Ruiz was not prepared for that. Do you think Joshua underestimated him in the first fight? you think that's what it was? And this time he was just fighting his the way he usually fights? I think to a large degree he, he did. I mean, yeah. I, if you look at him, if you look at Ruiz... You don't. He doesn't have the look of uh, of um, who. Uh, I mean, he he he's not cut up. Yeah. And some fighters are not cut up. Uh, he's fast though. I mean, but he surprised me. I tell yeah, you, and he impressed me. He impressed me with <laughs> first of all being knocked down because I said it'll go maybe two rounds, maybe two rounds. Yeah. When he got knocked down, I said it's over. He's dead. Um, and he got up and came back stronger. Um, his hands are super fast. That's what heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. But people, I'm a, people underestimate him for sure. I imagine. I mean, I, I, I was very impressed the first fight. Yeah. So this was all over the tabloids. I don't know. I don't know if like where it got picked up, but I saw that you were watching the fight with all of these like A-list celebrities. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, of course, being one of them, and I think there was uh, who's the chef? Gee, guy, guy, guy. Uh, Chris Delia, all these different oh, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that like a regular group of people that you guys hang out with usually? No, but it will be. It, yeah, imagine <laughs> no, it was an incredible uh, time or moment or night of, of, of boxing and with friends, you know, yeah. old and new. Yeah. Uh, it was great. I mean, people were, were very shocked by what took place there. Right. The right. And you were the only expert there. I mean, I guess Silvestro 
just based on his history. No, but Sly, trust me, Sly knows boxing. He knows boxing. Yes, he okay, does. yeah, yeah. Shouldn't underestimate him that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I actually want to know what where the name Sugar came from. I just made this bad joke, which has got me thinking. Where, where did the name originate from? How did you first stumble upon into that? Into I that mean, name. The, my name is Ray Charles. My mother named me after Ray Charles, yeah. the legendary singer. Uh, but when I started boxing, I was like, what, what nine years old. Um, then I remember I was like 16 years old and I was trying out for the um, 1972 Olympics. Although I was a year younger than the schedule, um, I made it to the quarterfinals and I was in the dressing room crying because I, I was so close to being on the team that a coach walked in the back, a boxing coach, said, hey, he said, hey, sugar man, don't worry, you'll be more prepared and more experienced in 1976. And when he said that, sugar man, sugar man, sugar man. So when I got home, because uh, I knew of Sugar Ray Robinson's right. legacy, and I said, I'm calling myself Sugar Ray. And I started doing that. And just, I also asked Sugar Ray Robinson, I said, is it okay if I use your name? Oh, before you actually started no, using I, it publicly. I, I use it. I used to. I use it. I did it first. I used it publicly first. Ah, gotcha. But then I gotcha. came up to him, and I, uh, and at that time I was, I was a professional fighter of maybe twelve, fifteen fights. So gotcha. I just, you know, it was, it was. I was nervous as heck. Yeah. When I asked him. Yeah, it was more like do it first, ask for permission exactly. later on, right? Yeah. I love the mentality. Gotcha. <laughs> and what was it about Sugar that just is was just the way he, the guy that said it to you? Sugar Ray Robinson was just, you know, I had a few idols um, from Sugar Ray Robinson, who was a class act, who was smooth, uh, flamboyant, uh, charisma. He had everything, style, everything. Yeah. I want to be like him. I want to, ha- I want to show... I want to be an entertainer. Put it that way. I want to be an entertainer. Interesting. Yeah. From an early age, is this something that you've wanted to do? Not really. Not necessarily. I was I was the least person that would get involved with boxing. I was uh, non-confrontational. I was yeah. shy, quiet. Um, I was a wallflower. I was afraid of asking a girl out. I mean, I, I, I was so bad that when I got involved with boxing, you know, it was like I found boxing, boxing found me, or we found each other. Yeah. Um, I put those gloves on. It was like magic, man. It was. It was like this is what you. This is what you're going to do. And um, my brother Roger used to beat me up for no perm, just because I was there. He when would, you were young. He just punched me. Yeah, just punched me. And I, I cry, and my older brother Kenny would say, "Hey, man, fight him back, fight him back." But I, I was so, I was so shy and so scared and but i had discipline i would right. train harder than anyone i did more sit-ups than anyone i did more push-ups than anyone i ran further than anyone and within a year i broke my brother's nose which you know, <laughs> well deserved well deserved yeah um but i and it became a part of my life mm. boxing became a part of my life that's like right today as it is today, yeah, and because you were you when you grew when you were growing up, you had, I want to say, a normal life, but you were uh, a fairly an introvert, and this oh. is something that uh, boxing kind of found you. We had Dennis Rodman on, who also said the same thing: that the whole idea of finding basketball was actually a fluke. He grew a yeah. foot yeah. within a year, and all of a sudden, all these basketball scouts were coming to him. 
And for you, what was that like when you first put on those boxing gloves? And were you a natural at it? Is this something that you no, were just far from that? Far from that. Um, I but I put the gloves on and I was like this. I wish they could see me like this. I guess they can't. But, but it's well, not, the videos, they can actually. Like yeah, this, like this, <laughs> like this. It's not good. Yeah. Um, but I kept trying. I kept trying, and I I used to fight like Joe Frazier, you know. Mm. And I would I would knocking guys out left and right. So, and when I told my parents, I said, "Mom, Dad, come and watch me box uh, uh, next week." They said, "No, no, you don't box." They wouldn't go. They didn't come down for. It took a few months before they were convinced that I was indeed a boxer. Because again, I was a a scary. I was a a frightened cat. I was uh, afraid of my own shadow. I was just so bad. I mean, really. What you're looking at is someone who transformed himself wow. naturally into the fighter I became. How would someone describe you at high school? Like, what, at what point did you start to gain this level of confidence about yourself and who you I'm, are? I'm glad you brought that up because, again, there's a transformation that boxing gives you or get, and gave me because I was so shy and everything. And not because I can beat people up, but because it gave me a sense of self. My self-esteem grew. Uh, my confidence grew. I walked with my chin up mm. and not put my head down. Uh, and I, I wasn't afraid of anything. Uh, and my life just changed. Just changed. I became a better person, more, com- more confident. Mm. I became so much better, more open about life. Yeah. More, yeah. more, more accepting to uh, agree or, or to, to, to try things. Right. I thought, first of all, I thought that football was too dangerous. I thought that baseball was too dangerous. Baseball was? Yeah. Oh, really? And I just thought because of the ball would come so fast. Yeah. And I just thought that, that was, that's not for me. In the ring, and I, I, I really came to grips with this, I felt safer because I could control what took place in that ring mm. for the most part. Mm. I choreographed. Yeah, yeah, and you played a lot of mind yeah, games, mind games and I mean, we're going to certainly get into that for sure. Um, but I guess there is this sense of growing up as a child where you had older brothers who were trying to beat you up playfully, and you felt, I imagine, helpless. And this is a theory, but I imagine being able to box and, and physically protect yourself was one way to gain that inner confidence because... You just knew inside that there wasn't anyone that can really harm you, or at least you can defend yourself in uh, in a proper way. Yeah, I, I got bullied to a degree, not not as heavy as some other kids, unfortunately. But fortunately, uh, things happened to me, and um, I could defend myself. And again, I didn't box to to, to learn how to beat people up. I, I boxed because I loved it. I love the contact. I love the out thinking. I love the out. Being able to uh, go the distance. I love those factors. Right. In boxing. Right. Gotcha. Um, of course, you, you did talk about this openly, which is when you were a child, there were uh, two middle, I think there's two incidences where there was some sexual abuse that happened. Obviously, that causes a lot of, for anyone, causes a lot of mental trauma uh, to a, a chip on their shoulders. Uh, how did that affect you in, in terms of wanting to play a physical sport like boxing and or was it not affected at all? It, I tell you what, I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up because it, for years, I'm talking about 
40, 50 years, I never talked about it. You know, I kept it to myself. It was something that, you know, as I got older, it was something I was ashamed of. And then all of a sudden, you know, understanding, because I, I'm also an alcoholic. And I've been sober for 15 years. And Congrats. my life's changed. Because, but there has to be a willingness to change. It's like there has to be a willingness to, to believe you can beat that guy in the ring. So for me, when that took place, uh, the sexual abuse, uh, it was with a coach who I believed in, who I thought would help me get to the Olympics. So there was a lot of, I gave him, I gave him me. And when that thing occurred, I, I ran home. I remember vividly, I ran home and I, I was crying and when I got into the house, I, I dried, you know, I wiped my eyes and I went to the, my bed. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell. I didn't tell my first wife. I didn't tell my second wife for a long time. But when I I did a book, I wrote a book. I talked about that, and I didn't want to at first. But then something I don't know something got inside my heart and in my and in my mind that I could be helping others out. And I think Todd Bridges, yeah, he he was uh, seductive to that. And uh, I said, it's okay to talk about. And I talked about that. And then I did a book signing. I was a nervous wreck because I, I, I said, people going to think I'm crazy. Think people going to think I'm sick and, and weak and this and that. I had all these things, these factors. But some guys say, hey, man, that happened to me. I mean, all of a sudden now, what wow. I'm saying to the world, you help somebody, whether right. it's a kid or it's an adult, someone who's been through it. That's one of my greatest accomplishments. Yeah, and, and I imagine you're such an inspiration to look to because despite going through such a traumatic experience like that, look how far you've been able to to come and overcome it, and now you're able to tell that story from the other side. So pe- there's there's hope for people that can hear that kind of story, right? Especially if, if it's like a recent thing they just went through. Yeah. To see someone like yourself that have came and thrived on the other end like no one has. You know, I, 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 I do motivational speaking. I've been doing this for quite some time. And um, and I use boxing or fighting as a metaphor. But every blue moon, I'll, I'll it'll come up naturally. I say, you know, by the way, I, I'm an alcoholic, and also I was sexually abused. And then the the building gets quiet. They just get yeah. quiet. And I said, oh, my gosh, I shouldn't have said that. And then they'll clap. They'll clap. Because they can, some of them can relate to, to what I've dealt with. Yeah. And it's a good, it's a good, it's an incredible feeling reciprocating, giving back, making a difference in someone else's life. I made an incredible impact in the ring, but I wanted to make even a greater impact outside the ring. And not just with boxing, but we, I use boxing as a platform, which I've done for years, sure. to talk about these things, these factors. Yeah. yeah. Kids, especially kids. I mean, I just condemn you for being so open about it based on just how far you've come in your career mm-hmm. and all the roller coaster rides that you've been to. It's my first time hearing that it was actually a coach that uh, trained you, I guess, for the Montreal Olympics, or was it for the previous one? Well, he was he was one of the uh, champion. I mean, one of the Olympic coaches, I should say. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, I, I that's why I try not to speak be too specific because for sure. their par- or his parents or his wife, whatever the case may be, uh, it's not their fault. It's of this guy. So I try to keep it a little anonymity. Yeah, yeah, because there was a story that I, I've you, you were talking about, and I couldn't quite piece it together. Which is, you win gold medal at the Montreal Olympics, right? And here you are, you're 
really accelerating this pathway in your career where there is a real shot at going pro and really taking this seriously, changing your entire lifestyle. And you talk about how the moment you win the gold Olympics or the gold medal at the Olympics, that you decide to, again, kind of go into this roller coaster experience right. where you're hanging out with people that are doing heroin, that are doing other drugs and alcohol, uh, where you felt almost less than this moment that you started in the Olympics. Talk to us a little bit about that because I, I couldn't quite piece that together, I guess. Yeah, it all started, okay, 1976, uh, the Olympics in Montreal. Um, I remember vividly standing on that pedestal, uh, the podium, and, and, and the national anthem is being played. I had the gold medal draped around my neck, and I'm, I want to cry, I want to scream, I want to just, just cheer. But I was in between, because at the Olympics, now it's professional. Yeah. That's the path we take. And I didn't want to turn pro because I've heard about stories of great fighters, legends, who became world champion, made a lot of money, and at the end of the day had nothing to show for it. I didn't want to be one of them. So what I was planning on doing was attending University of Maryland, furthering my education and get a good job, a solid right. job. I got home and my dad, my dad, they went into a coma and my mom's crying, my, my, my siblings are crying, I'm crying. And I asked my mentor, Jenks Moore, and I said, Jenks, I mean, how, how do I make fast money? We had nothing. He said, turn pro. I didn't give it a second thought. I turned pro. But before I turned pro, I, he introduced me to a guy, Mike Trainer, uh, who's no longer with us. Mike Trainer is my friend, my attorney. Uh, my, uh, he was everything to me. Uh, he said, Ray, so what do you want to do? You want Because when I got home from the Olympics, they had considered using me for the uh, Wheaties box. <laughs> okay. And, but because I had kids out of wedlock, um, you know, I wasn't the look or the person they wanted. And I, I was devastated. So I couldn't get a job and nothing was going on because fame is fleeting. So he said, turn pro. And I, and I did that. But again, before I turned pro, I made sure that I wasn't owned by anyone mm. because there was a, there was been a lot of mismanagement, mispromoting judges and everything. So I wanted to do, have my own thing. So he brought together 30 people who, owed, who each loaned me $1,000. And I paid him my first professional fight. I paid him off, became incorporated, and promoted myself. Sugar Ray Leonard, Inc., Sugar Ray boxing. Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, you know, I was hopefully leading the way for a lot of other young up-and-coming uh, world champions. But, uh, wow, man, I, I, I didn't want to turn pro. I didn't want to turn pro. But I turned pro for my dad. To help mm. him out. Wow. And, he, and my father, by the way, just passed away uh, last year at 95. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he hung in there for a long time, man. He hung in there for a very long time. Yeah. Wow. Well, what was the fear of going pro, though, for you? Was it the just, fear of failure, the, the fear of... No, not the fear. Just the fear of being mismanaged, mishandled. Uh. Uh, that was it. That was basically it. And I figured that, you know, that could happen to me, too. So... I became uh, uh, independent, yep. financially independent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, Catalyst, uh, at least someone that was very special in your life that probably gave you, amongst that advice, but many different advices, was Muhammad Ali. Oh, without question. Yeah. 
And this was right in between this moment of pivotal moment of your life when uh, between going through the Olympics and going through this pro career of your life. Yeah. Talk to us about this relationship you have with mom and how did you guys first connect? I, the first time I saw Muhammad Ali uh, was with a friend of mine uh, who actually my security guy, James Anderson, who's again no longer with us. Um, but meeting Ali, my idol, man, I mean, Ali, hey, you know, what they call, you call you Sugar Ray. I mean, <laughs> he was so cool. He was just, I mean, he was the epitome of, of boxing. Uh, he was a he was bigger than life. He was bigger than boxing. And he was my friend. And he gave me so much advice. He said, sign your own checks. Do this and do that. Do he always told me to do things. And I always like, okay, 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 okay. Um, and when he passed away, I tell you, I was, I was devastated. But also I felt, I felt that here's a man who gave so much to so many. And not just because of boxing but because he was boxing and we became very very good friends and uh i mean i tell you i i can i can only look back of how blessed i i am and i feel because i mean i met nelson mandela because i was doing a speech on a on this this huge yacht boat and when i got home got back to the i'm sorry back to the hotel this was in um johannesburg and I got back to the hotel, and the phone rang. Mr. Leonard, uh, Mr. Nelson Mandela wants to invite you uh, to dinner at his house today. I, I'm like, I'm hyperventilating. I'm sorry. I hyperventilate a lot. <laughs> I got to his house. I knocked on the door. He answers the door. He hugs me. My champion, my champion. He said, one thing I don't tolerate is people being late. I just start sweating, right? I'm sweating. He said, my photographer should have been here a long time ago. I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? You know, you know, he's a boxer. He was a he was a boxer, amateur boxer. Whoa, he yeah. was. And I was so impressed. He said, he said, he said, sir, he said, son, you know, uh, you inspire me. I said, sir, to the contrary, you inspire me. Um, and I gave him one of my belts. That's wow. how much he meant to me. Yes. I gave him one of my belts and championship belt. And uh, wow, man, you talking about being like in shock. In shock when I met Muhammad Ali, when I met Nelson Mandela, um, I wanted to meet Elvis Presley, <laughs> uh, and then Bruce Lee was another one of my idols. Mm. You know, so I two out of four ain't bad. Uh, not bad, not, not bad, bad at all. More not than, bad. More than ninety nine point nine nine percent of people out there. Exactly. Um, did you ever get in uh, in the in the ring with him just to kind of train together with knowing that he's uh, obviously a fan and. Uh, you know, I never thought I never thought about that because I I didn't see him as a fighter. Yeah, it's like some time people don't see me as a fighter because when, like, years ago, my kids are like again, my kids are like nineteen and twenty two, and they'll be at an event and they'll show me boxing, 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 and my kids didn't know anything about boxing, especially right. me, and they'll look at the screen and they look at me and say, "That's not Papa." They call me Papa. This is not Papa because I'm so. <laughs> I'm so nice, and I'm so this. And then when he see me on the, in the ring, boom, 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 different boom, boom, boom. guy. They forgot. Yeah, different just, guy. Who was that guy? Yeah, who yeah. was that guy? Ray Charles yeah. at home, Sugar Ray Leonard <laughs> in the boxing ring, right? <laughs> exactly. My God. Well, speaking of hyperventilating, this is something I've been curious to know about with someone like yourself, who is just an incredible. Uh, I guess you must have an incredible mental state to be able to perform at that level that you have, and you still do. It, it, do you 
Do you have a specific routine? Because you, you talk about being nervous for certain events like this, and I imagine you're a human being, so yeah. you, you were certainly nervous during these big fights like Duran and Hagler. Right. What is the routine that you go through from the moment you wake up or even before you go to bed for such a big event like the boxing or meeting someone like Nelson Mandela? <laughs> well, it's for me, it's, it's, a, it's a number of things, of factors. Um, there's that transformation because when I start training uh, the first week until 8, 10 weeks, 12 weeks later, the transition of my body and of my mind is so amazing. You, you, your body, I mean, you get cut up and everything. Then your mind is so sharp because you, I, have, I have what you call, I call tunnel vision. Yeah. You know, you directly and just focus on that, on that particular matchup. Um, when I'm in the ring, well, even prior to the ring, in the dress room, I look in the mirror. I know who's going to show up because I look in that mirror. I, I don't know. I actually, I don't know who's going to show up. I look in that mirror, and if I see Sugar Ray Leonard, I'm okay. I can, I can compete with Mike Tyson. If I see Ray Leonard, Ray Leonard, the civilian, I'm in trouble because I'm not the guy who should be, who's not qualified to be in that ring. Right. And that happened to me maybe a handful of times, maybe five to six times maximum. What's the indicator? Is it just the feeling you just get? A, or? Just a, it's a vibe, man. You know, sometimes, sometimes you, I'm sure you've come here and you're just not as, as like sharp and ready and motivated and happy or relaxed. You're just, you're just fighting. Whether you slept well or not, it's yeah. just that feeling. It's a natural feeling. Yeah. And uh, for me, I feed off that. I feed off that. Mm. But I don't, I don't give up. I, 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 try, I try to be as optimistic as I possibly can be and, and spiritually sound. I pray. I pray before, even amateur, before I enter the ring. I pr- and I never pray to win. I pray no one got hurt. I've mm. always done that. And I did it as a professional fighter. Um, it's 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 a I think back on my my career and my life and my legacy. It, it's it's an it's been an amazing journey, an incredible yeah. journey. Yeah. Because again, I came from nothing. I mean, they 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 used to say, "Well, Ray Ray's a white collar fighter." I said, "I'm I'm far from that." You know, um, I just happened to be in in an era where, that back in the day, boxing was on network television, NBC, CBS, ABC. Uh, Howard Cosell, for those of you who don't know who Howard Cosell, incredible sports broadcaster. Yeah. Uh, I mean, infamous. I mean, he was just one one of those special guys who, who he and Ah Muhammad Ali were like a charm. But uh, you know, no, my, I, I'm I'm so happy. I'm so proud. I'm so uh, elated of how my career started and ended. Right, right. Yeah. And then you clearly had more yeah. moments. When you look at yourself in the mirror that you've seen, Sugar Ray Charles, yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, to win Sugar, all the No, no, you're right. Sugar Ray Charles. Sugar no, Ray Charles, yeah. I'm all those. And I, I tell you, and I so I see some old fights of mine, and I I myself say, who is that guy? Because huh. I, I am so, I, I'm, I'm non-confrontational. I'm, right. I'm, I'm a little shy but sociable, if that makes any sense. But I'm, I'm like that, man. I'm just like that, you know? Yeah, and and if if I'm if I'm pushed, then I can click hit that switch. Hit that switch that makes me do what I have to do. Yeah, in some ways, uh, I've I've heard you talk about you feeling more comfortable 
in the ring than, than the outside world, which is, so it's kind of confusing for most people. No, most people can't understand why that is, right? Yeah, you know, I have this, um, this switch with this intestinal fortitude, you know, that's what makes fighters great. Mm. That's what makes anyone great. And you're able to, to hit that switch and go activate, you activate that thing, that strength, that additional breather or that brish additional punch. Yeah. Uh, I talk about that all the time. It's just so amazing what we as, as people, as human beings can do. And that's why the Michael Jordans, uh, that's Kobe Bryant's, that's what they do. They, they can go beyond that, mm. you know. That's what the Floyd Mayweather's could do. He could, because he believed, not the hype, but he believed in himself. Yeah. He talked trash. Hey, if you talk trash, it's okay. Only Ali, Muhammad Ali could talk trash and back it up, but Mayweather would back it up. Right. So it's, it's all about what's up here. It's more mental. It's like sweet science of boxing. That's what they call it. And it's so true. Because, mm. again, when I would compete, and it's just hypothetically, if I was competing against you, Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, how much you weigh now? Uh, 140, 145. Okay, that's good weight. Yeah. Uh, I'm 160. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. No, <laughs> give me a couple of weeks. I would, I would like, hey, hey, how you doing? How you doing? I'll touch your shoulders and everything. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll concentrate on your weak areas. Oh, yeah. just to get me thinking about that area before the fight. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is what Arnold Schwarzenegger did, right? Who you spent time with this weekend. Yes. Where he was going through this bodybuilding competition and he knew that. I think it was a calves or some thigh area, and he would just comment on them when they're training out. And he knew he was going to compete against this guy in a couple right, months. Right, yes. And he would see the other guy like looking at himself in the mirror, like all self-conscious. And he knew that he had him. He knew that he was going to win that competition because he that's was in so his head. Tr- that's so true because I, I again, I, I look at these fights and uh, I choreographed them. And, uh, and, and nine times out of ten, it goes my way. Every now and then, I fight a Tommy Hearns or a Hagler, and it's harder. But then again, it does work in spurts. Yes. I mean, Duran is the uh, no-mass event oh, yeah, is yeah. The, the clearest example of that, where it seems like you really, instead of just playing the game, you really play the man there, where you wanted to fight him immediately after, right after Montreal, and... People were not for that. I know, no. No one told you to do that, actually. Because it's unprecedented, the fact for a fight of that magnitude to take place, to rematch, it happened so quickly, less than six, what, five months. Yeah. That fight took place because I also knew his lifestyle and that he would gain, you know, an enormous amount of weight. And I got him back in there. But also, I had to believe I could win the fight. And what I would, I didn't watch that fight for a couple months after the fight. Didn't watch it. Uh, but I had to watch it. So when I did watch it, I said, I could have done this, I could have done that. But also, he beat me. He got inside my head. In other words, he talked trash. He, he gave me the finger. He, he cursed me, cursed my wife. So oh, he, he, was, he did those things. And, and he got into my, under my skin. And I didn't know what to do. And I said, you know what, I'm going to beat him at his own game. And that's, what, that's when I went wrong. When I said I'm going to beat him at his own game because Roberto Durant, is like a Tasmanian devil. I mean, he throws so many punches. He hit me so hard so many times, so many places, that I turn around and say, who else is in this ring? <laughs> you know? Durant, I mean, I, he's probably, I mean, we're friends now. I used to, I used yeah. to hate that son. Of course, yes. Yeah. But we're friends. I'm, like, I, like I said, I just got the phone with Tommy Hearns. Um, um, Hagler, we don't call each other on our birthdays, but uh, we're still civil to one another. 
Yeah. But it's it's a mind game. It's a mind game. And did you watch the? Did you decide to at least announce that you were going to fight him immediately before you watched the first fight? You know the th- the thing was ne- the thing with the first fight. I never thought that would happen because. I was I was welterweight, 147. He was a, a lightweight, 132, 135, or whatever it was. And I say, I'm too big for this guy. And when the fight was, it was just announced naturally. They say, yeah. And I said, this guy's little. He's this and that. But he but he was smart. Mm. He was smart upstairs. Yeah. And that's what, it, I mean, along with his own talent. Durant is not giving, he's not giving the credit he deserves. He's also a great boxer to be yeah. so small. And he competes against all of us. I mean, from the welterweights to middleweights to Marvin Hagler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Roberto Duran. It was the main four of you guys yes, that, were, the main that were talked about through the whole era, right? Yes, it was. Yes, yeah. it was. I beat them all. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just throw that out there. <laughs> I, I, just, I just threw that out yeah, there. Just spitting the truth, yeah. yeah. I, in fact, I just told – in fact, I, got, I was talking to Tommy Hearns on the way over here. Mm. And I said, hey, Tommy, I may be, I mean, you know, I may bring your name up. He said, well, make sure it's, it's make sure that, he said, make sure it's nice. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Tommy. I beat you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just told him that you'll tell the truth, right? <laughs> wow. I mean, it, it is some history though. It, it, so do you, do you study the, the, the fighters, uh, beforehand about their, I mean, clearly you knew Duran's lifestyle, you knew habits, you knew that he was going to be gaining some weight, right. uh, before that, I guess it's similar to the way Joshua predicted, Reese in in certain ways wanted that fight right away well with Joshua I mean you can see that you can see that additional poundage if that's a word um yeah I mean I I would send I don't want to call them spies but they were they were they were (laughs) but I did I sent spies to watch Hagler work out and see what you know things he didn't like because he did. He believed Marvin Hagler believed that the first fighter to the center of the ring wins the fight. Mm. And if you go back and watch the fight with us, I'll kind of sprint almost to the center of the ring. Right. Just, just it's it's these little minuscule things, but it's it's significant. Right. Uh, with Duran, Duran uh, kind of as a was a bully in the ring, quite intimidating. And when I was doing these things, winding my hand up and hitting, punching with the other hand, sticking my chin out, that drove him crazy. Because all of a mm. sudden now people are laughing. The, the fans are laughing at these right. antics. Right. Tommy Hearns. I know I fought Tommy Hearns. Uh, I walked around the ring, and uh, I was in tremendous shape. And I said, who in, who in this audience can beat Tommy Hearns? And I saw Muhammad Ali. And the first round, I'm moving around like Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Same thing. It, and he must have known that Muhammad Ali was also watching. I don't. I, I, you know? I, I, I would. I'm gonna ask Tommy. I'm gonna ask. Yeah, Tommy. yeah. Ask him. I, I doubt it. I'll be surprised if he did, but I don't. I'm sure he's. He was aware of his presence. Of course. But, yes. But I don't think he saw that I was trying to emulate Muhammad Ali on yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, there's these small little mental games that people watching. Just yeah. have no idea that this is going on, but you know between the two fighters that you're you're they're getting to them, you're not. There's all these oh, mental yeah. games that are happening before, during, and even after the Absolutely. fight. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, like on the, on the way, you know, at the way in, you, 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 every now and then you see a little scuffing, little guys punching each other or yelling at each other. It's all it's routine, but yeah. there are times it gets real, yeah, real. I mean, it gets real, mm. but it's it's a natural. 
it's a natural process to to talk trash. I mean, they do it in basketball, they do it in hockey, they do it in everything. Yeah, talk yeah. trash. Yeah. Who do you think had the best mental warfare during this era, or even in a current era? Ali Muhammad. Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Could, would of get, yeah, he would. Cause he was small outspoken. Uh, his his antics and that. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. First to be like that outspoken at that level too, right? He's at really that, the pioneer. And in at that. that time. And at that time and as that well. Time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, no one was, even now people are, I guess, copying him. Floyd Mayweather, I would say, is, is kind of mimicking that Conor McGregor. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very just, controversial. You know, it's what, it's what, you, what you're natural with and, and what you believe. I mean, you, yeah. you have, you can talk all the trash you want, but, but if you don't back it up, it's, you'd be known for that. Yeah. That's yes, it. That's it. Excellent. <laughs> so here you are. You have this momentum of this of this spectacular wins and battles, and you're really at the top of this career. And you notice that one day that you see these floaters that mm -hmm. are coming around, which I've actually I've had also in in my life. I guess when you're it could be fatigue too. It's fatigue it, as well. Yeah, fatigue as well. Yeah. I mean, I've what happened when I suffered this partial detached retina. Um, I was fighting. I was scheduled to fight this guy in two weeks, and I I was seeing like a little. It's like it was like someone pulled a shade a shade down on my eye, and which you know when your eye is swollen, that's what that's the that's what it feels like. And I kept saying, "I see my eye swollen, guys." And I said, "No, no." I look in the mirror. I see nothing. And we went to a doctor. Actually, a, a, a optometrist. 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 Yeah. yeah. And they don't have the equipment to, so. So I went to an ophthalmologist uh. and in Baltimore, John Hopkins, and they said, uh, uh, if you don't have surgery in a week, you will be blind. What the and hell? I'm like, what? I said, what do I have? Because I didn't see anything. And I said, you know what? Uh, when do we have surgery? He says, surgery, because uh, I, flew, I flew back to Baltimore to John Hopkins Hospital uh, on, that, I think, Thursday. And the doctor said, uh, well, you can go home. You can either go home and come back and have the surgery. I said, um, can I go home and think about it for a, you know, a week or two? He said, no, because in a week you'll be blind. Oh, my God. I remember it was like straight like that. Wow. He told me that. I said, let's do it tomorrow. Because uh, it, was, it was a Friday night. It was a Friday, yeah, Friday evening. I got to Baltimore. And it was so surreal. And I'm, I, know, I recall waking up after the surgery and the first thing I did was pull that 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 uh, bandage off my, my left eye and all I could see was like light I said thank God I'm not totally blind right it was a weird thing and I, I can remember these these moments in my life in my career so clearly I mean like I, when Dur I fought Duran I could smell his breath if I if I concentrate hard enough I can, I can smell his breath again was it and, good or <laughs> uh, I don't I don't like it. Is there um, Listerine back then? <laughs> but, uh, I, no. no? Okay. Um, but I remember that, that doctor saying that and I remember taking that band aid off my eye. And I was I was okay with I was okay with seeing light. Right. You know, it was it was a pretty spooky moment. Was there um even though you were able to see light, was there a fear that maybe you career? Like, yeah. I didn't even think about that. You didn't think about that? I, okay. I didn't think about that, you know? Uh, but eventually that, that, that question did come up. Right. Uh, first of all, I want to make sure that my eye was okay. So, you know, I think it was after a week or two of, of 
seeing the doctor. Um, that last examination, he said, Ray, your eye, your left eye is just as strong as your right eye. Hmm. He said, if you want to, you can go back. You can, if you want to, you can go and re- resume your career. But I, but no one would understand that. So I really wanted to continue. Uh, but I didn't. I always fought to make sure people looked at me as a different way. In other words, you know, better suited, better, smarter, common sense, and this and that. So, with the exception, well, with my family, they wanted me to retire, um, and the fans wanted me to retire. Don't risk it. Don't risk. Mm. But boxing is a risk. Life is a risk. Success is a risk. I mean, that's how I felt. But understandably so. A lot of my fans didn't want me to come back, hmm. and I and I thank them for that. And I, I you know, I, I feel blessed to have that kind of concern. But that two years of inactivity, because I, I did retire, I yeah. retired a lot of times. Right. But when I my first retirement, I'm I think I'm 25, and it was hard, man. And I got introduced to cocaine. I got intro- introduced to almost heroin. I got introduced to you know pot and everything drinking excessively my life was going it was it was like i tell you man i i look back on my first wife juanita who i who we're still friends now in fact she's friends with my wife bernadette um but i i I thank her for maintaining the family keeping the kids you know away from when i was messed up Mm. You know, it was it was really, really, you know, you, you try to make um, you try to make peace, but sometimes we get stupid. You know, when you're yeah. drinking, you're doing drugs, the cocaine, and all those things. Like back in the '80s. Yeah, yeah. Have you made peace with her? Have you said the things that you've wanted to say after you've been Ab- sober for absolutely, time? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, you make amends. You just, you know, you just you have to, and if you admit to someone who you hurt or bothered or whatever the case may be for me that's that's that speaks volume yeah 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 i mean there there is this um i don't know if this is a something that you you've you've recognized but there is seems to be this pattern of like when you whenever you did go to retirement you would go through these darker periods through <laughs> through, through drugs and alcohol yeah. was there a part of you that said Man, like I don't want to retire because subconsciously there is this thought where all of the associations that you have of retirement are darker times. So, was that something? Was there ever a factor there where you thought about retirement? You're like, oh, I don't want to go through that again. When I didn't, when I didn't look good or didn't perform well, I always retired. I was say, I'm, "That's it. That's it. It's my last. This is it." And the first time I retired, I think it was 1982, I believe it was. And uh, I went through just a, a whirlwind of trying to find who I am, uh, where my heart is, where my mind is. And all those things at the time were just all over the place, you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing the cocaine. I'm, I'm, I'm pencil thin. I'm, and I asked my boys, hey, man, am I, am I skinny? No, champ, not no. Hell no, man. You like Papa. And although I knew they were lying, I accepted that. They, they kind of gave me like, oh, yeah, yeah. But when my wife told me, you know, she said, you know, you, you're not, you're, you're not, you're hurting yourself, but also you're hurting your family. And then a guy told me, a friend a friend of mine told me, the guy James Anderson, 
who was my security, he told me, he said, Ray, he said, you know, man, the hell with everything else. He said, forget about you. Um, you, when you, if you get pulled over for drunk driving, for uh, hurting someone and this or that, any other scenario that involves hurting someone other than yourself, you know, how are you going to tell that to your kids? I mean, how, how do you think a kid's going to deal with that? And he said that, and that resonated with me. That mm. that, that hit home, and because no one really told me except like Trainer or James Morton, I mean Ali Dunlap, those guys would tell me straight up, you know, that's wrong, that's uncalled for. And I that same night, I went to the mirror, I looked in the mirror, I cried like a baby. I mm. cried like a baby. Um, because um. I didn't want to. I didn't want my parents to, whenever they passed, to see me as an alcoholic, to see me as a, a drug addict, and uh, I never went back. I straightened myself up. Did you get that moment with your parents before? I did. My father. My father. When my father passed away, he saw a sober Ray Leonard. He saw his son. He saw the son that he, that he taught right from wrong. And he and he and he left me. He left us with just, I'm okay now. Mm. I'm going home. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just given the the profile that you did have, I, I imagine there was a lot of people that were telling you all these different lies or compliments just to be able to be around you and to be able to to get them to. Okay, you to like them. Mm-hmm. So I imagine it was very rare to have someone or a couple people in your life that can tell you the truth, even though you know, maybe you weren't at that mental state to right. appreciate that at that moment and, and know how much that's going to impact you. I'd be curious to know, you know, the sober uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, how do, you, how do you filter that out, just given how much people want your attention, want your time? How do you... How do you find those people in your circle that you can really trust, given the profile that you have today, knowing your experiences? I, that's a very good question. I, I accept um, not only my heart, my because my I, I have a big heart, but my mind also works in conjunction with my heart and and lets me know what is what is right or what is wrong. Because sometimes your heart can tell you, not what, not necessarily what's right or wrong, but it, it tells you that there's, you should be involved. Y- your mind try to break down what is practical, what is real, what is la la land, and um, and I've been doing okay with because of I go you know to my meetings uh, uh, almost every day if I can. And I, I just learn. I just learn. I, and I, I think it's humility too. Mm. I'm humble. Um, and I, I believe in God. I, um, you know, I was raised as Baptist uh, back in the day, and um, I know I never let God in my life until until uh, 15 years ago, and t- because I didn't want to disappoint Him, because to say I'm not going to do any more cocaine, I'm not going to drink anymore. I knew that I was going to go down that road again if I get upset, this or that. But I came to grips with the fact that whatever power you have, 
it makes a difference because we can't. I mean, with this, what this world is turning to, our country and the world. I mean, it's some strange thing. I didn't get into politics, uh, uh, and I still really don't get into it. But I, sometimes I can't. It's, there's no way I can because it's twenty four seven. Yep. Yeah. And I'm thinking about my grandkids. I'm thinking about my 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 my, my, my great grandkids. Um, I have so much stuff on my mind, and I try to give myself. I try to just be of help. Whether it's 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 giving you know giving back to diabetes, which of a foundation, yes, with my wife, and just making a difference, just just giving myself. Um, I'm getting confused now because it, it becomes emotional, right? You know what I mean? It, oh, for sure, it gets emotional, and uh, and then I should I didn't want to show my feelings, and I've learned, like they say, you can't teach the all you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You can. And I learned to talk about things that at one time would, would upset me so much, that would make me so emotional. But then again, that's okay. Mm. That's okay to talk about things, you know? I'm a fighter, I'm a champion, this and that. Oh, but I'm also a human being. Right. I'm also a father. I'm also a husband. I'm also a friend. Right. And when those things are jeopardized, no, I make the I'm, I try to make the right decision. Yeah, and it's so refreshing to hear. I think you really are one of the few, especially in boxing, but in really any sport, to be openly talking about all of the different experiences, whether they're good or bad. Uh, particularly, I guess in the recent years, you're saying you, you said that you didn't come out about the the, the sexual, sexual abuse, abuse mm-hmm. for the first forty five years. So what was that pivotal moment in your life? Was there a specific person that allowed you to shift from not talking really about any of the things that you went through to now just being a completely open book, especially talking about all of these different experiences? I, it was so simple. I saw my wife smile, really, really smile. Hmm. And um, I mean, she don't smile all, she don't smile all the time. <laughs> but uh, when I saw my wife smile, that smile, I knew that I was doing the right thing. I was mm-hmm. hit. I was heading in the right direction, and uh, you know, I sometimes I put too much pressure on myself. You know, I think about I could have been a better husband. I could be a better father. I can be a better friend. And sometimes these things are overwhelming. But the great thing about it is the fact that now I don't. When pressure comes on, I don't grab. Uh, cocaine i don't grab uh, a shot of tequila i pray i just pray man. Mm. i just pray and uh and and it works out it works out wow so that's your vehicle now that's my to vehicle whenever now. you have the urge to do the drugs or alcohol or anything like that that's that's your vehicle yeah i meditate i just yeah. I, I go there i go there and uh, i talk to uh my high power talk to my god as a, a guy, you know, as mm. a, as a friend, as a, and I just talk, you know, help me out with this, because I I remember many many years ago. I mean, we talking like, shoot, uh, forty years, forty five years, when I used to have a hangover. Yeah, I used to say, God, please help me. I swear, you, swear to God, I said, swear to God, if you help me with this one, I won't do it again. <laughs> the next night, I'm doing it again. These <laughs> are bad hangovers for you to be praying. I don't think I've ever prayed to get a real oh, hangover. My hangovers were so bad. My oh, hangovers man. were so freaking bad. Were you partying with Dennis Rodman? Or? <laughs> uh, I don't know who. I, that's the problem. I forgot. I forgot who I was oh, partying with. You know? that that was, yeah. 
But uh, I didn't know. I swear I prayed. I said, God, please. It was that. It was that painful. Mm. Painful. He, and not just physically painful, but but mentally painful. Yeah. My heart was burning. My heart was hurting because I knew that I hurt my my wife. I knew that I was hurting my kids. I knew that I was hurting my career. I I I knew these things. Yeah. But I didn't want to go there. Yeah, that's kind of the negative cycle when it comes to the drugs and alcohol, right? Which is you wake up sober somewhat, yeah. just a little drunk, I imagine, yeah. and you have these burning desires or this disappointment with yourself or this sorrow, all these feelings that come that are negative. And the natural thing for you to think about is to go and do more drugs and alcohol so you can drown out a lot of the experiences. That, and that's why people just get into a worse and worse state. Because now your tolerance level builds up, so yeah. you, want, you need more, and it's just like, it's a never-ending cycle. And for you to be able to break through that is just amazing. But just think about this. All of a sudden, you, you, you're drinking so much, and the same thing is going to happen all the time. You're going to wake up and feel like, you know, a, 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 a ton of bricks fell on your face and your body, and and your head is hurting, your stomach is hurting, your body is hurting, your heart is hurting, yet you do it again and again and again and again. You, you don't learn. You just, you know, say, I'll get through this one. And I've gotten through, I've gotten through so many yeah. uh, of those moments that, but check this out before I forget. I used to wake up in the morning and I knew that I, was, I did wrong when I look over and see my wife. And if she's crying, I knew I fucked up. I knew I messed up. And when she's, hey, she called me Papa. She called me Papa. And when she says Papa, I, I'm okay. Mm. So now she calls me Papa all the time. All the time, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so I, I know I'm on the right road. Yeah, it seems like she was always this light for you, encompass for you rather, for you to know whether you're doing something right. You look for her smile. You look yep. for things that she said. And that was the positive reinforcement apart from praying of course that you needed to really get out of those those dark moments oh man those dark i mean they were so they were so dark man that i mean i never thought about um hurting myself um but i, I was just saying why is this constantly happening why, i mean why is this constantly happen, happening and um I mean, as as the the money you have, the fame you have, that's good, but it doesn't necessarily make you a better person. Mm. You know, it it you have to understand, you have to be comfortable in your own skin. Right. And I felt that one day I went to a friend's house, and I went to their backyard, and because normally I would take a couple of shots of hit uh, cocaine and this and that, and walk in there and be cool. And now I go into that same backyard, okay. And again, I'm so, I'm somewhat shy, but I'm sociable. Sure. But now I do that, and it's okay. It's okay. The minute I say, "Hey, how you doing?" Uh, by the way, what's your name again? You know. Mm. And that's life. That's that's real life. I should say that's yep. real life. Right. And you've learned to confront I've, it yeah, at its raw form. Simplistic things. Yeah. Um, I got I'm, I got to learn how to say. Uh, sweetheart, my, to my wife, hey baby, so how's your day? I I keep forgetting to ask her how's her day. I, first thing I ask, her, so what's on my what's on my calendar? Uh, what do we have to do? What, what time is dinner? You know, I I'm trying. I, I, 
Bernadette, I love you. Uh, I've been trying to do that. You know, it, it seems so minuscule, seems so silly, simple. Yeah. But it's real. I mean, women want to be not just women, but everyone wants to be appreciated. Yeah, and those Appreciate. small little things are, are small, a lot. Simple. It's not the big gift. No, it's not, not the big gift. The big gifts help, but yeah, big, yeah, big gifts, <laughs> yeah right. but it's it's really the smallest things. But for you sure. know, I'm learning. I swear, I've learned so much in such uh, a short period of time since I've been on this earth that I feel good about myself. I really, really feel good about myself. And mm. it's it's work. It's it's uh, on the job training, but it's it's okay. It's yeah, okay. Fresh for someone that comes from your background, which is playing one of the most masculine sports at the highest level to be able yeah. to be that open it's people don't expect it you know so not it's like at all, they take not it by surprise yeah. Yeah. Like, when i said it you know how you say something and you, like you said you try you try to bring it back into your mouth i've said things and it but it was meant to be it was meant to be, it was okay yeah um and even like sometimes uh it just just naturally comes out because it's it's i gotta let them know that they're not by themselves Hmm. Whether it's an alcoholic or, or or drug addict or whatever the case may be, and then what happened too was m- going to these meetings, AA meetings. I'm like, hey man, I'm not an alcoholic. I mean, because my perception was uh, of an alcoholic was people on the street, homelessness. Yeah. That's, not, that's not true, man. I walked into that room and I saw people. I'm like, what the hell? And people, some people I did know, I didn't know they was, you know like me and it's again that you said it a humility it's right. humility it's one of the toughest diseases to to uh to accept yeah you know but like you said as a fighter as a champion you know I don't, i'm not gonna tell them um you know i thought about suicide and this and that which i never i never have uh Never have just, right. but I, I thought, but I felt so bad. Whether it's my wife or my girlfriend or who, or my parents, but to make amends is everything. Yeah. To learn, but, but they say to make amends without hurting someone else again. Right. You know. Right. It's 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 been a, for me it's been a journey, man. Would you say it's been a tougher battle? mentally and physically yeah. than being in the ring and preparing for the mental fights that you had to go yeah, through. Yeah. Because for the most part in the ring, until I'm fighting a Hearns hack, I can, I can just annihilate that guy. Right. For the most part, I can annihilate not, and not that easy, but I can, I can, I can, I, I will get him out of there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's harder. It's harder, man. Cause it, it, cause you're dealing with your heart. You're dealing with, with your, with your mind. Uh, you're dealing with timing. It's how you you dealing with how you say things. Yeah. Sometimes I gotta tell my kids because sometimes they raise their voice. I said, stop, because it's not what you say; it's how you say it. Sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've learned, I've learned so much uh, since being in my program, and uh, and it's so it's so funny because people say, "You're not an alcoholic." I said, "Yeah," and I wouldn't, and I and like you know. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I would never say that. Because mm. I... It's such There's a, the ego or yeah, something ego, holding you back. Yeah, it's ego, but it's such, you know, are you an alcoholic or you're a drug addict or you're a bum or this or that. It's so, it's so painful. It's so negative that you don't want to be called that. Yeah. Know? But it's, it's not, 
it's not what it's it's not what it appears to be. Is that why in the beginning of like AA meetings, the first thing you do is you introduce your name and you say it out loud, which is I'm an alcoholic, to get rid of the yeah, yeah. negative stigma? Well, I don't, you know, I tell you, because the, the first, almost first maybe a couple weeks or a month, and I said, I'm Ray. I, I'm, I'm Bob, I'm an alcoholic. I'm just, I didn't do that for maybe a week or two. Oh, wow. I just, cause I couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't say that. It's just, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, because I, even in my head today, I know, I think that I can go without drinking. And I can't because of my discipline yeah. as a fighter. Yeah. I can go, I probably go a month, maybe a year, but I'm going to go back. It's mm. going to, it's because something's going to, something's going to happen, occur in my life that makes me react that way. Because mm. that's, a, because that's a, no, that's a disease. It's a, it's a, no, it's a normal thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, you know? and when I drink, I never drank to socialize. I didn't drink. I didn't sip wine. I you went all in. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. I love, and I love that that feeling that it just all of a sudden that problem you had is gone mm. temporarily. Right. Temporarily, and which you, you we learn or we make it make we make it worse. Yeah, but it's it's amazing. Uh, I, but I don't like going to those meetings because they can be like I don't know, like hundreds of people. Mm. I don't I don't go to that. That's too much. It's yeah, it's just too much. It's just too much. And then I know, and even when I go out of town, I don't go to meetings out of town. I just go here in Palisades. Then I, because I, I go out to those meetings in and and Boston or whatever case, and they say, hey, can I take a picture, man? I'm, I'm like, this is why I'm here. I'm in. I'm here because I'm trying to rectify, just fix my life. Right. Right. It's so weird that people ask you in that because they, they, in they that don't, experience. They're not thinking. All they're thinking about is taking a picture or doing that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I understand it, but I don't understand it because I, you know, I mean, if it was a kid, I, 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 it's hard to turn a kid away. Yeah. But then again, I see kids, well, kids to me, that who are in that, they're like, you know, 17, 18, 19. And those kids... Been drinking since they were 13, 14, 15. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah. So what goes on in the, you talked about if you were by yourself that you wouldn't, you, you know, you could go through a year, maybe a couple of years, but you would eventually go back. So what, what happens in the meetings itself that gives you the power or the inner confidence uh, where you're not tempted? It, that, it, that, that room gives you that power, but it can't, it can't control that that the mindset because mm-hmm. you you I mean when you re- say you really hurt you find that your your girlfriend your wife your husband did something wrong or you 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 all of a sudden now you you owe the government or, you know it's like those kind of things are so powerful that you just all you just want to do is erase it mm-hmm. cushion the blows cushion them and. I remember I I was at home, well, with my first wife, and uh, I came in like five o'clock in the morning, and I was trying to think of an excuse. So I'm I'm laying in bed like this, and she's she's in the next room. And I'm trying to find something to make her believe that I fucked up. And I was watching the TV was on. I looked at the TV, and it was someone. It was a, it was a cowboy show. 
and cowboy she, pow, 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 pow. I, look, I, I pull a gun out <laughs> thinking that she would come in and Russ said, oh my god she never came back <laughs> <laughs> you know but I, it, th- those things I mean that's, it's really a major concern because that's where I was at the time right Right. I, mean, I didn't think about naturally. I didn't think about killing myself. I, I, but I try to create a scenario. I try to create something that she'll feel sorry for me, because she know if I did something like that, that I need help. Mm. I mean, it's fucking, it's sick. No, I get it. Subconsciously, you, you weren't, you didn't have, you, you didn't want to like just tell her right up front that hey, I need help. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to signal something, yeah, signal, some, signal yeah. something that's less direct where hopefully you were going to try to get the same result without needing to go through that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the thing about it, my, she, my first wife is friends with my, my wife, my present wife, and uh, helped. I mean, she, my wife, because I found out that my, my, my ex-wife, uh, she, she, she had some bad financial moments, and she was working two jobs, and but she was catching a bus to each job. And she would wake up 1 a.m. in the morning and get back like 1 a.m. I mean, she worked 24 hours because she didn't have a car. And and I, I, I really, I got emotional. I broke down. And my wife said, so what's wrong? I said, nothing. And she said, Ray, what's wrong? And I told her. She called her, bought her a new car. Hmm. I mean, it, it blew my it blew my mind because I I just couldn't believe it. But then I said, hey, you know, that's a blessing. It's a, no question, a blessing. Wow. But all, I mean, it's all these things that take place. The kids now are older. The kids want to spend less time with you now. And I, because I didn't want to spend time with my parents. Right. You know, naturally. Yeah. 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 for them. But it's like they, and it's like my son don't want to walk the the, the red carpet. He don't want to walk with it with me. Oh, no, really? Because it, it takes away his thing. He's into music. He wants to be an engineer. He wants to be a producer and everything. He wants his own. He uh, doesn't want to live in your shadow. In my saying. shadow. My son, Little Ray, I did a, I did a commercial, big-time commercial called 7 Up, 7 Up. Mm. Years ago. He was four years old. Uh, he's, 50, he's, he's 45 now. But we're together, but he has his own business and everything, and Every now he goes with me to uh, to do speaking engagements, but and we talk we we talk openly. But my other son, the middle son, uh, he he's he fucks up so much, man. You know, he goes he does this and does that and get involved with. Uh, he'll talk he talk to some gangsters, you know, in the hood, taking money from them and agreeing to pay them back, and they don't play. Yeah, they don't they fuck don't, around. They, they don't they don't play. Yeah, you know. So it's it's so it's now it's like I'm now I got to be the father a real a real father, so it's kind of I'm just doing these things here, but I, I'm learning and uh, I'm I'm doing as much as I can. Well, how do you go through that, knowing what you've been through yourself? I mean, he must understand this is something you've lived through. They don't, but they they don't really know this mm. this part of what happened to me. They, I mean, like the I, I disclose that in the book, sexual abuse. Uh, but they they just don't they don't realize how hard it is. Right. So, I mean, because they because their 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 fam their group, you know, their father or 
parents are like multi, 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 multi millionaires, some billionaires, and they they live this life. I mean, my my kids live a life, an incredible life, but they have to understand that there are consequences if you if you fuck up. Yeah. There, you know, it's you got to put the work in. You got to, you know, it's it's hard. It's not that easy. My kid, my daughter just started a business and um, uh, can't. Candles, you sell candles. Candles, yeah. yeah. On Shopify or? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What is she? I don't know. Yeah. We'll blow, blow that out. <laughs> but she, you know, it's like, yeah. she, and like she goes to LMU, so she doesn't feel that. She said, Pop, she said, Pop, Pop call, you know, I want to go, I want to get out of college because it's not guaranteed that you'll get a good job. I said, Baby, that's life. I mean, nothing is really guaranteed. Yeah. I say it's good to have it on your resume, the fact you you attended and you completed your college degree. But it's 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 really harder now being a parent because you just you just don't know. I mean, with some of these crazy things uh, happening on on TV. I mean, I don't again. I don't really watch a lot of news. I watch it now. I mean, yes, what they call it, CNN is like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like 20 headlines 20 that go out in like five head, seconds. Just yeah. like how do you even, the human yeah. brain isn't involved for that, you know? And then and then you can say what you want to say now. It's like, you know, you know, hell with it. Fuck that. I mean, it's, it's just a different time. Different times, yeah. So I, you know, I want to be here as long as I can. And I know I have good genes. Uh, you do. I mean, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, look, I looked up your age actually before. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Must have been an old photo. And then I see you here. I was like, God damn. <laughs> you know, it, it must be the praying. <laughs> no, it's all, it's all those things, mm. man. And, until, you, until you feel good in your own skin, it's, I don't care what kind of, what kind of uh, life you have, good, bad, you, you need to. To be willing to, to make it better, you know? Yeah. And you got to work. There's no shortcuts. Yep. It, everyone wants instant gratification. Yeah. You know? And they have no idea how much work it took for me to be who I became. No kidding. I mean, really. I mean, it's it goes way beyond uh, that. Because I, I even thought about doing a, a book about, I said, that fight, that last fight, whatever. And this will be about people and not. And not just celebrities, but just people in general who's been who's been so far down that they 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 were able to pull themselves up because they were fighters, mm. you know. Uh, to talk about that, I mean, there's a lot of people in this world that went through they've been through even more than I have been, and uh, they just need a platform to to to, to be to feel safe. Yeah, and it's. And the thing with the AA program, which is great, the anonymity, it's great. But then again, if if but I understand why, and I wouldn't, I don't, def, I don't knock it. But people, and particularly young, not just young young people, everybody needs to know that, you know, you're not by yourself. Right. You're not by yourself. And uh, and for years, I thought it was a, it was just me, who had problems with my my girlfriend, my wife, who had problems with my kids. I thought it was just me. I thought it was isolated, just me. Right. And when you think about it, man, because because I, I want to fly on the planes and everything. Uh, so I say, yeah, yeah. I'm dealing with my teenage kids. I'm dealing with my this. I'm dealing with that. I'm dealing with my husband. My husband, who's who's an alcoholic, who's a drug addict. He's this. 
it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And the book in itself is the most scalable way to do that because now you're able to give yeah. someone permission or help them feel less alone that someone like yourself has, that has gone through that, just like circling back from the beginning, yeah. as I said, someone that has really managed to thrive after all that is really unheard of. And yeah, I, I definitely think you should do that book. The, the thing about it, though, it's like the people find it, I mean, with technology, the, the social media, there has been another platform that could really give that, whether I'm on on air, I mean, whether I'm, I'm like saying a few words, and you cut back to the reading, because it's hard for me to read now, because I, I can pick this thing up and learn <laughs> what's going on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I mean, if I lost my wallet with 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 with, with the uh, $500,000 in, in it, I would want this more, more than that. Than that. Well, it's connected now, right? You got <laughs> yeah, Apple yeah. Pay and everything. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous, man. And, uh, do you do you do this when you're driving sometimes? Uh, I mean, I take I, I take a lift. Yeah, I don't I don't want any police yeah. officers to watch this. <laughs> no, I I find myself. Well, I mean, you're right. Yeah, a lot of people yeah, do that. Every, every, a lot of people do that. And then I. I'll say, oh, oh. Yeah, and I say Ray, Ray, Ray. You know what? I mean, because it takes only a one moment, a, a one moment. Yeah, I yeah. tell my wife that. She said, Ray, Ray. I've been, you know, I've been long. I've been doing this. I said that doesn't make it right. You know, <laughs> but hey, it just, it's just. It's not. That's the way it I, is. I've learned. Are you married? No. Okay. Girlfriend. Uh, on and off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Mexico, and you, you know, Latina girls. <laughs> no kids. No kids. No. How old yeah. are you now? 27. 27. 27. I'm trying to think what when I was 27. Where was I? I think I was retired. This is after the Olympics, right? No, no. I was 28 for the Olympics. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I was 20. Because uh, um, Bruce Jenner was the same Olympics. Ah, yeah, yeah. you looked up to him, right? Oh, yeah. Bruce. Yeah. Good Hair. Him, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's wild, man. It's just... They always say life is what you make it. That is so true, though. Yeah. It is, it is In true. In its truest form, yeah. yeah. In its truest form. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ray, I, I just want to thank you so much for, number one, coming on, making the time to share all this wisdom and really the most raw story that I've heard you share in all these interviews. And for you to share this in the most genuine way possible, I just want to thank you. Uh, we usually end these interviews off by leaving an actionable advice for people that are listening here, something that they can do to go from zero to one, uh, to start that business, to help them give that little extra motivation to to go through that next step in their life to go after their dreams. Uh, what's one actionable advice you think they can do today? Well, I, you know what? I, I tell people to to be a fighter outside mm-hmm. the boxing ring, uh, to to believe in themselves because if they don't, no one else will. Um, to do their version of road work, to to give it a hundred percent, always, mm-hmm. and uh, and pray and pray. Very That's powerful. basically it. Sugar Ray Leonard, thanks right, so buddy. much for coming on. Thanks, son. Thank you so much. You. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. All right. You know, but I said things. I, you know, the things. Some of the things I said to you, I never really talk about like that. But it just, you, you, you did this, and let me talk. 
I appreciate you. Thanks, I mean, man. Thank you so much for being Thanks. so raw and, and, and honest, yeah. Um, we're just going to do a quick photo. Quick photo. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the show. Hope you really enjoyed our guest today and that you took one thing valuable from our conversation. If you haven't already, I would love it if you could leave a quick rating or review on whichever network you're listening to the show and share this episode with one friend if you found it valuable. And if it's something that a friend, a family member, or just someone that you care about could find a little bit of insight from what you learned today. All right. Ciao.